All right, everybody, welcome back to the Where You Can Take You podcast. I am Kayla Bowker, a professional triathlete, mom to two little boys, a coach at Where You Can Take You, and all around, yeah, I don't even know, probably going to butcher this intro this time because Aaron and I were just talking about how tired we were. Um, I am here with my co-host, Erin Oliphant, who is a coach at Where If You Take You as well, and she is an elite age group uh, amateur triathlete. So, well, yeah, welcome. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. It's uh, been, I don't know, it's been, it's, I don't even know what day it is, honestly. So, um, how are you doing, Erin? I am hot, and I am tired. So. Yeah, they just somebody turned the heater up in uh, Arizona in the last like twenty four hours. Seriously, and not acclimated to that yet. I figured that out today on my run where I got five miles in, and luckily I was close to my old apartment and can get into the gym there, and just hopped on the treadmill for the last five miles because I could not do the heat today. I get it. Yeah, did it touch? I wasn't actually here today, but when I got home at three thirty, when I got back into Phoenix at three thirty, my car was registering at like one hundred two. Um, so I don't know. It might have touched above that. That sounds about right, though. <clears throat> Me being stupid and did not get out of bed this morning and was doing my run at three p.m. when it was one hundred and two. Yes, um, but yes, not the so best that was choice. A good reminder that. Even when you want to hit snooze on the alarm, you have to get up here. It is not a choice to do it later. Or you're going to end up on the treadmill. And it's kind yep. of just the way it yeah. is. Which I hate. I'd rather yeah. just get up early. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of the way it is, you know, when, and with this, when the, when the heater gets turned on in Arizona, you either get up early or you change your session or you do it on the treadmill or indoors on the trainer if you can't get out early enough, um, which is kind of the way it is. So, and even when you get acclimated, I think like it's just kind of pieces of it. So, yeah. So I already have my alarm set for 530 tomorrow morning to get up and get my long ride in. Woohoo! Long ride time. We like it. Yep. We do. <laughs> Yes. Hopefully, yeah, I know you were feeling kind of rough last week, so glad to hear that this week is feeling a little bit better. So Yeah, feeling a lot better. Good, yeah. And that's okay. And I think, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Like, for those of you that don't know, Erin ended up kind of sick last week. And so we basically bagged her week and uh, gave her a couple rest days and then just some flush-out sessions um, at the end. And it could be easy. She's like six weeks out from Coeur d'Alene. It'd be really easy to kind of freak out about that, but it's not worth freaking out about. It was way more important for us to have her back those sessions off and not do them than it was for her to try to, to try to fight through them and dig herself into a hole. And next thing you know, we're taking two, three weeks off because she dug herself so deep into a hole. So it's just one of those things that sometimes you got to take time and know that, you put in good work before that, and you still got plenty of time to put in work after that. So, yeah, exactly. And I'm still feeling pretty good and confident headed into Coeur d'Alene. And I think this year, especially just having a little more experience in the sport, I'm doing a lot better job of looking at the season as a whole. So even though Coeur d'Alene's my A race, um, it's still one race in this whole season and I still plan on competing 
in October. Um, yeah. And it's just a long journey and you have to be smart throughout the journey. Um, so I've actually stayed relatively calm throughout this past week. Um, it's been frustrating, especially because I've honestly felt pretty normal. Like my energy levels were great, but my lungs just were not functioning. Um, like could not get my heart rate above 110 without having intense like chest pain and heart rate skyrocketing quickly from that point on and just wasn't yeah. fun to do any type of activity but God, that's what I had right after today. Texas felt good. yeah, yeah. Um, so. it's a weird it's a weird feeling like like that's why it's, it's frustrating it's like when you have head colds kind of you're like I still kind of have a little bit of energy but I go to do something and my heart rate skyrockets into like the 130s by like walking <laughs> and yeah <laughs> I feel like death <laughs> Yeah, but so yeah, awesome. I'm glad to hear things are feeling better. Got a good week of training set up for you this week, Um, and yeah, we'll move through those things. So awesome. Well, it's a a late recording for us here tonight. Um, I just got back from 24 hours in Salt Lake City, and then I turn around and I leave tomorrow. I fly out at 8 a.m. for Minnesota. For a little family reunion e type thing um, in in Minnesota with my mom's side of the family, so um, I literally like got home. Took me an hour and twenty minutes to get home because I landed in perfect traffic time, perfect mm-hmm. traffic time, and immediately started having to pack, then feed the kids dinner, and then just chaos, standard home chaos, and. We, this is basically the only time we record. So we wanted to ensure that we got you guys out some sort of content for this week. Um, so we'll answer a few questions here and then we will, we'll move on. It might be a short session. Who knows? Maybe we'll get into it and never know, but I think Aaron's hungry and I am exhausted. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so we're um, going to do our best here. We're going to do our best here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, it's just been a crazy, like the, I was, when I was down in, in uh, Salt Lake, I was chatting with my coach's husband about like the last just six weeks, eight, seven weeks for me have just been, I don't even, I don't even know what to do with them lately. They're just been so crazy. And I keep saying like, oh yeah, this week things are going to get more normal. And then, yeah. and then they don't. And they, they stay crazy. And I was like, what am I going to say? <laughs> They're not so chaotic and we're in a little bit more of a standard routine. But, oh, man, I am not sure when that's going to happen. Hopefully next week. I think next week. Don't have to travel. <laughs> there's no traveling. Um, and then at Brandon's home, he's not traveling. I'm home. My mom is home. My dad's home. So we can all help out with the kids. Skylar will be in school. Hopefully, but <laughs> I don't even know. We'll find out. <laughs> Something always pops up. <laughs> I'll keep my fingers, keep my fingers, keep my fingers crossed for you that yeah. it uh, settles down. <laughs> settles down a little bit. It would be nice if it would settle down a little bit. I think like, so you got sick last week or felt sick last week. And I think life caught up with me. I had a couple good sessions after St. George. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom can't do anything. I, I had a 300 test set in the pool and I just like threw up the entire 300. I got slower and slower and slower and slower. I didn't even finish the swim. 
And then I couldn't even do my ride. And then I went up for an hour ride and I was riding like 12 miles an hour. And that was challenging to do. And it was so hard. And then I ended up just saying, I just texted my coach. I was like, I can't, I'm exhausted. My, the fatigue level in my body feels so high. I don't even know, like can't flush it, anything. So I kind of had a similar weekend. <laughs> yeah. And I think both of us were on the same page where we were feeling super motivated after St. George um, to get back to training and really get after the sessions. And I think for both of us, it was a letdown when we got off or when we got back and we both had to kind of reduce the load and take some time off because I couldn't breathe and you couldn't flush any fatigue out and just needed time off. So I think that was probably frustrating for both of us. Yes. Yes. It hundred percent was like, I left, I was left super excited and, and we, well, I know we both did cause we talked about it and just ready to like rock and roll and get some good training in. And like we had both, you know, you have this good block of time before Coeur d'Alene. I have a good block of time before my next race. And my brain was like, yeah, let's get after it. And my body was like, nope, nope, nope. You need to do nothing. So that's what we did. We didn't do much. So awesome. All right. Well, we got a couple questions. We're going to start off with a swim question. Um, this is from Tina and she says, hi ladies. I really enjoy the podcast. It's like sitting around chatting with friends. You don't know it, but we have lunch together every week when the new episodes come out. So we're her, we're her lunchtime buddy. <laughs> um, I have a question for you. I love to swim. It's my favorite part of the race. Um, most of my swimming is in a pool and I find that in Open water, my pace is much, much slower, like 10 to 15 seconds than in the pool. So that's 10 to 15 seconds per, I'm assuming she's in a either 100 yard or 100 meter pool. And she asks, if, do we have any suggestions on how to translate the speed in the pool to open water? So Aaron, what do you think? How could she help translate some of her speed from the pool to the open water? Okay. Well, first of all, it does matter if you're swimming in a hundred yard pool or a hundred meter pool. Um, yes. Just sure. because it's going to be different. Um, for instance, like I swim short course meters and I'll swim long course meters and I'll swim short course yards. Um, but you'll be fastest in short course yards per hundred, then short course meters per hundred, then long course meters per hundred. Because even if you're not good at flip turns or good at walls, they're still going to make you faster. You get like a bit of a break on the wall to re-energize you for the next lap. Ooh, um, I'm going to so interject and think that I may disagree with you on that because I am so <laughs> slow at flip turns, <laughs> so slow at them that my fastest thousand in a pool is like, 15 flat, maybe like 1506. And I just recently did a 1406 in open water. And I can guarantee you, I do not think I could do a 1406 in the pool because I have to flip turn, but that's just me because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at them. I literally take a pause on the wall. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they are like three seconds per flip. <laughs> okay well <laughs> but that's besides the point <laughs> for most people um they're slowest in long course meters because of the walls um and because a meter is longer than a yard 
But so when you go to open waters and you have no turns and no walls, um, that usually is one reason for being slower. Two, there's usually some type of current in open water, um, even if you're in a lake. Um, so you're going to be swimming against that current one way and coming back with it the other, because um, usually you're swimming all directions at some point in the race. And even though you're going to be going with the current for part of it, um, the time you spend against the current is going to add up and the average is going to still be a bit slower than you're used to. Um, but then getting into the stroke specific stuff, um, one thing that I think is important in overwater is kind of increasing the turnover of your arms. So you don't want to be swimming too much and catch up in open water um, because of that current and the waves and just the way um, the water hits. You want to keep your momentum going and never pause because in a pool, if you pause the water still, you're going to continue to float through it. Um, but in open water, if there's a current and you're paused and not pulling any water, it's going to start to push you back or kind of make your body go to a stop. Um, so you kind of want to work on swimming at like 12 and six o'clock on the clock. So you want your shoulders to be kind of opposite of each other the entire time. You don't ever want to be too flat in the water. Yeah. And that higher cadence is definitely like, if you watch the professionals, like the good professionals, they have a very high turnover in the water um, where they are in that they don't have that lag that kind of does come from a kind of a catch up style swim, which a lot of people are do in, in the pool. It's kind of like that natural. And it's a lot of ways that we're taught to is to do that catch up style. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I don't know to help it. How would you maybe help some, tell somebody to kind of increase that tempo a little bit? Would you recommend them working with a tempo trainer thingy or different styles, a little bit different style of stroke in the pool? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, tempo trainers are great. I love tempo trainers. I hate them. Um, you can start by setting it. Just I'd love to have someone take the normal tempo of your stroke, which is it can either be each hand hit or you can do per stroke cycle, which would be right hand touching the water to right hand touching the water. Mm -hmm. um, if you're doing it per cycle, um, I would start with it around like 1.7 um, and you can kind of adjust from there depending on where you see fit. Um, and drill wise, I actually really like almost like a six kick switch drill for it. Oh, I um, love that drill. It's just one. one stroke in between. So I usually will do it with three strokes, but for specifically working on this, I would just do one stroke in between and just because then you can really feel your arms opposite of each other. So make sure you start the pull phase before you start bringing that other arm over the top to switch. Um, that will really encourage you to get that tempo up. The other thing I'd recommend that I'm personally starting to do more. I'm not doing it with a buoy, but I think for most people, I think starting with a buoy is a really good idea. It's just really working on getting a high turnover in the arms without using the legs. So yeah. put a pull buoy in and really try and get the arms up because a lot of the times when we talk about high turnover and swimming, um, that can be very leg driven. Um, mm -hmm. because if you move your legs really fast, your arms are going to increase in tempo, but you don't necessarily want to do that in triathlon. You want to save your legs for the bike and the run. Um, 
So just really working on getting your tempo up without causing your RPE to go up. Yeah, because in, in, in triathlon, you really want is you want to have your kick be more for almost body positioning necessarily and keeping kind of that good body position in the water versus using it to really propel yourself forward. Um, I love the six kick um, switch drill um, for body positioning too. Um, so that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. I think those are good, really good tips. Um, and I do think it's important to know that your open water pace often is a little bit slower and it is kind of just the way it is and it's okay. Um, like if Erin was to swim as fast as she swam in the pool, she'd be like a 42 minute Ironman swimming. I mean, maybe not exactly that, but like, that's kind of the same concept. Um, so Awesome. That was a really great question, Tina. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thanks for that one. Um, perfect. Okay. And then we had, um, this is actually another full question. So it works out great. Um, this is from Katrika. Katrika is a long time, uh, where you take you athlete. And she is wondering, she said, I am new to swimming in a busy pool. So she actually has come from like her or previously was swimming in a pool that she always just empty. Um, and now she says, I'm swimming in a really busy pool. What are some tricks or etiquette for doing a varying speed workout when you have to share a busy pool lane? And that's a tough one because sharing a lane with people that are not always the same speed or understanding can be really, really, really frustrating. Um, My, my children are playing with my computer. <laughs> <laughs> why, why recording late at night is always challenging because the kids start to play with my stuff um, and turn things on when they shouldn't be turned on. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so we need a busy pool. Nobody likes it. It's not fun. <laughs> no, it's awful. To be yeah. Honest. I always try one. I try to like pick a lane. I kind of like keep an eye out on the lanes before I pick one of people that want to kind of look like they're actually doing like maybe a workout in the pool or they are maybe swimming a little bit more. Like you can kind of just tell, even if they're just doing continuous, like you can kind of just tell that they're doing like a more of a, an actual like swimming session. Um, if you are, if you can get into one that's only got like one other person and I always ask them if they don't mind just splitting until maybe somebody else joins. Um, but when you have to start doing it where you have to circle swim, that does, that is when it kind of gets challenging. And sometimes the things that I do are just one, I like let them know like, Hey, I've got a bunch of fifties that I'm doing. So I'm going to be stopping at the wall a lot. Um, is that okay? And I mean, they're most of the time so far, they've always said yes. Um, or I've even like really paid attention to where I just wait. And if they like, if I see them either coming, I know that they're, if I'm one, if I know that they're fast, I'm faster than them. I will pop off the wall faster. Like I'll start my set sooner, even if that means I get a little bit less rest just so that I don't have to try to pass them. Um, but I don't know. I find being in a, busy pool, challenging and frustrating. And I don't know that there's really 
For the most part, everybody seems to be pretty nice, if, especially if you pick the right type of lane. So what do you do? Do you, you don't summon a super busy pool, though, um, do you? No, not, no, I don't. Um, there's been a few times where I've had to, and just in those situations, communicate. Yeah. Um, I've had to split a lane a lot, which is usually not an issue at all. You just ask, hey, can yeah. I take the left side of the lane and you take the right? When there's it's usually when you have to start, like, circle swimming that it gets frustrating. Yeah, and then when you are circle swimming, just have, like, grace with your workout. No, like... The workout might not be able to get done exactly according to plan. You might have to adjust your rest intervals. You might have to make something 75s instead of 100s because of the way the lane's flowing. Um, So just be super flexible going into it and know that you might have to make adjustments, but that's okay because you're still getting in the pool and swimming. And that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Because that's, it is. Sometimes we get so stuck on this structure and we're like, we have to have our 10 second rest or our 15 second rest. And it's like, if that has to go down to five, because you want to pop off the wall to get ahead of somebody, then it has to go down to five. If it has to be 20, it has to be 20 and it's okay. Um, yeah. And I just, yeah. But for me, the biggest piece that always is level is just, sometimes I'll stand on the edge for a little bit and kind of watch the lanes and just keep it like, okay, this one, these look guys look like they're swimming. They know what they're doing. I'll hop into that one. Or, this person just, they, you can kind of almost sometimes get that idea to, or ask them like, Hey, how much longer do you have? Like, is your set almost over? And if it is, that's a good one to hop into because then you know that at least one person is going to be hopping out. Um, so yeah, I think you just kind of have to communicate a little bit. And also play around a bit with the times you're going to the pool, maybe at 5.00 AM, 5.30 AM, the pool's completely empty and you can just pick one day a week where you have a key swim session and go when no one's there and get it done. Or maybe it's like 8 PM and it, those aren't ideal times to swim. I hate swimming at both those times, but it right. might be worth it one day a week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that you're just not to deal with the busyness of, of everybody. Um, yeah. I always live that way. I hate when there's lots of people at the pool. It makes me uncomfortable. I get kind of anxious, but I think that's because yes. I'm, I don't know. I don't want all these people around me. The worst is when, somebody's taking up the entire lane and you just don't even feel like you can ask them if they will willing to move. <laughs> yeah. I've had yeah. people say no before to even splitting a lane. Which is so not, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to say no. And like, I know like no. most, there's even some pools, like if that's the case, then like the lifeguard sometimes will even be like, Hey, no, you have to split the lane. Like, yeah, you do not get to have the lane all to yourself. It's just the way that it is. <laughs> yes. um, that was one thing that was really nice that did come out of um, for a long to like long time out of the whole pandemic. Well, in, in Washington, you had to register. You had to like reserve your lane. And so it meant that you always had at least one, you had one hour where you were always going to have the lane to yourself and it was your dedicated hour. And while that actually kind of got annoying after a while, but it was nice. It was nice for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and you knew you were for sure you're not going to show up at the pool and it was going to be completely full and then you'd have to make a decision as to whether or not you could sew or not so in illinois they had that same thing this is a little getting off topic now but um there was one group of people um who would reserve all six lanes for the first I think like from eight to noon 
every day. What? Because there were enough of them where, like, they could all reserve an hour. Um, even though it was just, I remember talking to my mom and she was super frustrated because she's like, I can't swim from eight to noon. That is not okay. That's just not even common courtesy. Come on, people. (laughs) Jeez Louise. Yeah. That That seems sad. Oh man. That's a bummer. Well, hopefully Katrika, you can find good time frames to swim that aren't too crazy and don't stress you out too much. But I also get it. That can be kind of rough in that time frame. So, um, awesome. Well, those were some really good swim questions. Um, uh, please send us a guy, send your swim questions this way anytime you, and you want. Erin is an awesome, awesome swim coach. She's been swimming forever. We offer swim analysis, um, with her here at where if you take you, she does a really great job of being able to help guide you and give you good um, sessions and workouts to help kind of cement some of the changes technique wise that, um, that you need to make in order to, yeah, swim your best, feel strong because nobody likes to swim in triathlon, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, it's no, just true. me, just me. <laughs> well, it's just a pain, you know? Yeah. Though it is getting for swimming, it's gotten a lot like less stressful for me, which is kind of nice. So, um, yeah, I'm really kind of glad about that. Um, okay. So then we did have another question, um, that kind of the, it was, and it was came through my Instagram. So I don't even know, I don't remember the name of who sent it in. So I apologize to whoever sent that in. I don't remember the name, but they were just asking us what we were most excited about for, because we we both have kind of put through a couple of races. Um, and even though we do have some races coming up, they were just wondering what we were most excited about for kind of the next portion of, of the season. So I thought that'd be kind of something fun to talk about. So Aaron, what are you most excited about? Just to continue to get better. Um, yeah. I know that's, like a very like cliche answer, but um, I just I feel like I still have so much room for improvement in the sport. I mean, I've been doing it for two years now, um, and I'm only 25. And I, the more and more races I do, the more I realize people winning it are usually like 34. Um, yeah. So I'm just looking forward to continuing to improve, especially on my run because I've got a lot of work to do on that. But in my head, I don't see a reason why I shouldn't be good at running. So just continue to slowly work at it. And I say slowly because I cannot just go all in on it or else I will hurt myself. Yeah. <laughs> but just continuing to go along through the process is fun for me. Yeah. We've talked about with you, um, so with Erin, one of the things that we're going to be really having her focus on is her form a little bit in running. And that's kind of a, a, a topic that I talk with a lot of athletes about, but um, it's something that you and I have talked about a lot is this idea of like running more efficiently. Um, and what one thing that we had been focusing on with Erin recently was just trying to get her to like have a little bit higher knee drive and change kind of how she had her upper arm carriage. So previously when Erin started running, she started running and she had like no arm movement. And when she did, it was like her hands were up by her, her chin. 
And so there wasn't as much forward movement and she has greatly, greatly changed that. And then she sent me a uh, message yet, like a week or so ago, like, I just feel like I don't look how everybody else looks when they're running. And I took a look at her picture and I was like, yeah, you don't have any back kick for lack of better term. So basically we're going to be really focusing on getting Aaron to really have a kind of a finish the entire run cadence or uh, stride, sorry, stride is the word I was looking for, um, by actually finishing in like kind of almost like kicking back. Cause when you actually kick back, you then have the ability to drive with your knee and then you're going to get a lot more proportion forward. So Aaron's focus is very form focused and running for the next little bit to kind of work on some of those pieces. So, yeah. Which I'm super excited about because I just, especially recently, I don't know why, but when I've been running, I felt, I felt like this like woman with like a really big butt that just sticks out. <laughs> I don't know why I felt like that, but I think because I've had no back kick, there's just like, nothing that ever's behind me so like i felt like my butt just sticks out further than anything else. <laughs> it's felt really weird okay well i've seen pictures of you running you don't look that way <laughs> <laughs> but you really didn't like if you were look at pictures of aaron running she does have a fairly good knee drive but she just basically was like sticking her foot down and doing nothing with it and so all of her energy kind of looked like it was just going into the ground versus actually propelling her forward. It's kind of like, you know, I use that analogy with you of swimming, right? If mm -hmm. when you're swimming with your stroke, if you just pull your hand out of the water, you're not, you're, you're going to miss a whole bunch of propulsion forward. Whereas if you actually finish the stroke all the way through, have what you want to call a kick with your hand. I don't even know what you want to call that, but, and actually finish the, the finish. stroke, yeah. <laughs> you know, out of the water, engage your tricep, and then come back forward, you're going to have a lot more propulsion forward. Running is the exact same way. So that's yep. a good focus for a lot of people. And it will help to increase your cadence in running as well, which a faster cadence, similar to the bike, similar to the pool. And as I've started to think about it, I can tell because the main like key in my head right now is just like, pushing backwards almost when you're running like you're trying mm -hmm. to like just like swipe the ground underneath you I guess um but when I do that I feel like my hamstring naturally engages and wants to yes. drive that knee forward and wants to land right under my hip yep. um and that's perfect creates like a nice stride that I don't even have to think about my cadence yeah. up because if my hamstrings engaging my cadence is automatically up yep so. If you Except do it right, you, if you do it right, you should really feel your hamstrings engaging. Um, and some good ways to practice that for those of you that are listening, good ways to practice are um, if you look up A skip, B skip, um, butt kicks, um, they're also really good. Um, those are kind of three ways. Butt kicks are really are more just so that you can kind of feel that engagement of your hamstring and so that you can kind of get used to this idea of your you know, your foot kicking, your heel kicking back up. Um, and B skips and A skips are really great for turnover and um, where your feet land and all those things. So those are kind of some drills that you can do for helping to kind of improve some of those pieces um, just to help, you know, before running to kind of kind of get that motor pattern and neurological system, you know, firing. So, so Kayla, um, what are you excited for the rest of the season? 
Oh man, I am kind of, you know, again, similar to you, very, I can say cliche or whatever, but just, you know, I feel like I learned a lot these last couple of weeks with racing at the professional level. And, you know, I uh, just recently got back, well, today I was down in uh, Salt Lake City for 24 hours where I did some lactate testing. Um, and that really kind of showed some big changes that we need to make. And so we're making a huge shift to my training, um, based around kind of that, the, um, what we found from, from the lactate testing. Um, and so I'm really excited to see what that's going to do for my training. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for the, the races that I have kind of coming up on the, on the, on the docket. Um, racing, uh, as of right now, the plan is Oregon 70.3 and then Mont Tremblant, uh, full Ironman. Mont Tremblant is a bucket list race for me. I've always wanted to do it. Um, and so I'm, yeah, but I've got some time to do some training for them. So I'm really just really excited to work really hard, um, make some of these changes, um, to kind of how we're going about things from a training standpoint, which is going to be very different and, and, and very focused, we really kind of found out that I need to, I've been, no, I've been training too hard, so to speak, not necessarily from a volume standpoint, but from an intensity standpoint where all of my training has been in <laughs> Baylor, Baylor, Baylor wants me to put him to sleep. Um, he's really tired. Um, so he's pulling on my hand, trying to get me to come with. So maybe we'll leave the what we learned about in the lactate testing to our next podcast. But <laughs> it was really... Taking us out on this one. Yeah. It was really informative. And so I'm just really excited to kind of learn more about what my body can do and just, you know, what I can do from a, an athlete standpoint over the next couple of weeks. So... Yeah, that's kind of what I'm excited for. So, all right. Well, Mama's as we mentioned, go put Baylor to bed. Mama's got to go put Bear to bed. He's really tired and he just wants mommy. Um, so, we, as we mentioned earlier, guys, this might be a short one this week, but we'll be back next week with regular scheduled programming. <laughs> we can go into the lactate test scene and what I learned from that and kind of how I'm making some changes. And then if you have any questions, you can send them our way at www.whereyoufeettakeyou.com slash podcast. Please send us your questions. Um, they really help us to be able to... Um, yeah, provide you guys with the content that you need. So thanks for hanging in there with us this week, guys. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed our quick little show here. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everybody. See you all next week. Bye.